Hello, everyone, and welcome to Affable Chat Off Script, the episodes of Affable Chat that aren't about movies. Our guest today is Honey Guy. They're a musical duo from Columbia, South Carolina, and they're actually responsible for that synthesizer you're hearing behind my voice. Uh, they came to the studio to talk about their latest project, and they brought along some equipment uh, that you'll be able to hear on this episode later on in the episode. Uh, so please enjoy my conversation with Alex and Helena of Honey Guide. Welcome, Honey Guide, Helena and Alex, uh, to the Affable Chat studio. Um, I'm really excited to guys have you guys here. Um, you guys are the band. Would you say band is the right I, word I for it? I guess so. That's what we tell people. I feel like, but I feel like saying band has this implicit like idea associated with people. it. Of it's more than two people, yeah. and there's like a drummer and a bassist and yeah. a guitar. That's what I think of when I hear band. But that's not. Yeah, you guys don't have time, any uh, like uh, actual physical set of drums, right? No, it's, it's all drum machines. Yeah. But the other thing that you know, the other side of that coin is I always hear band or or artists. You know, use interchangeably. Sure. But also, you know, I guess. Artist almost doesn't feel appropriate either, partially because not because what we're making isn't art, and that's a whole debate that like we can get into if you want to. But just anytime you call something art, it feels pretentious. Exactly, it's, that's the thing. It, it almost feels like, am I allowed to like claim this for myself? Like it feels like a bigger deal than it actually might be. Yeah, I don't know. Right, right. But I mean, just as a third party, I do believe what you guys are doing is art. Um, but I guess artistic duo, maybe you guys are. A, uh, I, I've also heard the word project thrown around. By, okay. By I, okay. Like, like they have a they have a musical act, and they say like, "Oh, that's my project." Okay, and yeah. I, but I also feel like I feel like that's more descriptive of what we do because it's mostly like just an experiment with uh, it's us screwing around with different sounds that we think are appealing and like kind of trying to organize them in some ways. Okay, so I so, guess that's how it starts, really. Sure. So for people who haven't heard of you guys' music, so kind of explain what Honey Guide is. Well, that's probably everybody, um, <laughs> but. So I guess really what it started as is, so Alex and I, um, we became, we first met over five years ago, I guess, you know, move-in day, college, freshman year, and we lived in the same dorm. Um, And the first thing we bonded over, the very first conversation we ever had was about music. Um, We were talking talking about death grips, actually, because that's just to like kind of, you know, show my cards a little bit. That's that's like kind of where... uh, that's that's where our tastes kind of meet in the middle is a lot of kind of like experimental sort of I don't want to say like we really gravitate I, towards like kind of the the like stranger ends of the spectrum we're we're, we're much more on the ends of a spectrum than in the middle of yeah, it for when, any given genre when I, I got into college I I remember very consciously during the summer before I went to college I was like man like I I really have to get a more adult taste in music before I go <laughs> off to school and like so I made a conscious effort to like really push the boundaries of what I was listening to at the time because I was like oh all the cool kids at school <laughs> are gonna think I'm lame if I'm not listening to like all of this edgy like out there music. Uh-huh. And see, I guess I'm coming from when I was like like a teenager and I first started listening to things that weren't pop, I really found myself gravitating first towards like pop punk, like, you know, My Chemical Romance and Fall Out Boy. You know, Who doesn't all, love them? Yeah, exactly. And then I kind of like, to, you know, just took a little like 13 year old stepping stone from there into metal. And by that, I mean, I started listening to like Avenged Sevenfold and like Disturbed and stuff like that. Like stuff that right now I kind of laugh at as kind of very, you know, I don't want to say entry level, but accessible. Yeah, yeah. More hardcore, like, sounds, I guess. So my background has always kind of been more kind of, like, hardcore, definitely kind of tending towards experimental, 
harsher sounds. Well, that's the first word then, that came to mind when I heard you guys' stuff yeah, was experimental. For sure. And then kind of like in later like high school, I kind of started stepping backwards into like indie rock and like more kind of accessible alternative music. And that's where we, you know, kind of met in the middle. But so I say all of that to say a really foundational part of our relationship has always been music and has always been about interesting music from a technical standpoint and talking about, okay, you know, how did this person make this? And as far as our like performance backgrounds go, um, Alex, you can speak a little bit more to yours. I, I only took piano lessons for a few years when I was a kid and that was pretty much it. Um, when you were a kid, how young? Like probably like, I don't know, between the ages of maybe nine and like 11. Okay. Like, like didn't start all that early, but got all the concepts that I needed right off the bat. I didn't really keep up with it, but had that kind of, you know, introduction to music theory sort of background going, which is always what I was speaking to when I would talk about music at the time. Do you think this is what your piano teacher had in mind when she was teaching you? <laughs> I assume it was she. When she taught you this, like, if you came back to her today, he's like, look what, look what I'm doing she'd with this now. She'd probably be like, what the hell are you doing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I feel like she'd probably say, well, you're really not that much better than you were then. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Ooh. But that's the thing. Ooh. I guess just, you know, that's kind of the biggest thing about our music is that we we aren't we still I still have a hard time calling myself a musician because really what it is is a couple years ago, you know, sophomore year of college, I, I got myself a keyboard for the first time in, you know, 10 years or however long it had been and just started just started playing again, just started practicing, started trying to teach myself songs that I liked you know, and, and treating it very much as sort of a hobby. You know, if I was done with class, didn't have any work to do, I'd sit down and play a little bit. There's something and, to that. Uh, there's yeah. something I especially like I fiddle around with the ukulele, but there's there's like a certain level of enjoyment you get to when you like play a song that you love yeah. yourself. Like you actually can And you can get play it and you actually say and the first time you successfully cover a song that you've been trying to work on for like, you know, however many days, that 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 felt good and it kind of, you know, it's like it's like stretching a muscle sorta. Mhm. Mm um and so just over the course of time after having spent, you know, a year and a half doing that, started feeling more confident about being able to write my own stuff. And so actually, um, the very first song we wrote is one that we still play somewhat regularly live. It's, it's not on the album, but it's a really fun song and very different from uh, most of what else we make. Um, song about uh, three friends going and on a little like scuba dive I guess and then encountering a kraken and getting torn apart oh it's really cool um, and I'm really I'm still really proud of it I wrote it like I wrote it probably like last summer yeah I guess. we really like we like doing that one live a lot because it's really simple because again it was like one of the first songs we made so it's really rudimentary and it's but it's still fun to play because it's like you get really loud near the end and like things are crashing and there's like a lot of like water sounds like waves and and bubbles oh and yeah like, it's it's really cool sounding don't get me wrong i don't i don't mean to like downplay it necessarily because it's it's probably actually one of the songs you get the most compliments on that's mm -hmm. what people will come up and be like man that that one song you did about like the the crack and that was really good you know yeah yeah um but oh. i guess just like coming from that background of having it be fun and having there be no pressure, that that really kind of set the foundations for what we're doing now. So jumping back a little bit in the conversation, um, I was really never all that into music when I was younger. Like I really didn't 
like think too much about the songs I was listening to. It was mostly just whatever's on the radio, whatever my parents liked. Sure. I was like, we grew up in an era where it wasn't as easy to access music. Mm -hmm. I mean, progressively got much, much easier. I remember how groundbreaking it was when I got my iPod shuffle (laughs) for the first time. I remember actually sitting up in my bedroom and putting in headphones to listen to music for the first time in my whole life and playing a song and being like stupefied by how it sounded like the sound was like, happening right next to me even though it, it wasn't it oh, was yeah. it was like a really it was a really surreal experience for me to have headphones in for the first time and i had to like keep taking them out and putting them back <laughs> in to like get used to it yeah um but as i grew up i started like i think i went the same route that you did helena where i was like listening to a lot of like rock and like because i was like a rebellious teen yeah exactly and, you're, and eight, so you're angry and sad and that's what i 12 years old yeah i think i'm like really deep and emotional um, no one else understands yeah right? so who, who could possibly I, relate i go through that phase and then like through my cousin i got introduced to like kind of more esoteric electronic music mm-hmm. and um from there like that's that's the stuff that really captured my imagination because i was like like wow that's so interesting i've never heard music like that and then i started listening to like dead mouse and skrillex then you know um roll your eyes all you want at those two guys but like honestly they did really groundbreaking stuff and brought electronic music into the mainstream because people could like really really vibe with that like well, who did <laughs> scary monsters in nice that was skrillex. that was skrillex yeah. okay yeah so, I, I can't. yeah and everybody knows what that song is because yeah. skrillex was the one to kind of break out of the the niche that electronic music existed in and like dubstep and i guess bro step is what people like bro calling step. well calling i i remember when dubstep like at least broke into my world and it, like it was with scary monsters and nice sprites and I I remember it instantly got into like the all comedians are having their their little take on this and it's like supposed to be poked fun at and I, I was probably poking fun at it back then too but now I, I feel like every genre has its own merit mm-hmm. like to just totally write off a genre because I don't think that, like it sounds like Transformers or something it's like <laughs> come on like that is the worst take ever like, okay to be like, fair though okay, like what? a lot of EDM I have a hard time getting into just. It, that's just a personal thing, though. Well, I don't know. So how is how does EDM like separate itself from what you guys okay, okay, so, are making? Because you, yeah, because from from my perspective, and, and and I hope that you guys can enlighten me on this while we're having this conversation. Is I look at you guys' music and I call it experimental electronic. That is how it hits me as a person who is very unfamiliar with this genre. So that's I, what we would call it. I probably. think I'm more. I think out of the two of us, I'm more qualified to figure out like exactly where we fit in with everything else, just because. Like I electronic music, that's that's my thing. That's what I'm really interested in, and that's what I kind of like brought to the table with Honey Guide. Yeah, Whereas Helena is like coming from a different set of influences, like different genres. Sure. And um, so like I've spent tons of time listening to so much electronic music, all sorts of different genres, and figuring out like what makes a genre makes a genre. Period. Like sure. I, I yeah. didn't understand that for the longest time. Like what is the difference between house music and techno? Right. And the answer is, I still don't really know. <laughs> I could not tell you. No, but. that's a, that's an interesting thing because when we do our movie reviews, we'll we say the title, we say the cast, we say the director, we say the genre, and we started off with just taking the actual genre that we found associated with the movie online. Mm-hmm. But then recently, we've started to add as many words as possible into the genre to it just goes into absurdity. Because what does a genre really mean? Because a movie's a comedy, does it mean it, com- it it contains the exact same components as this other comedy? No, every everything has its own individual uh, qualities. So I feel like 
trying to put a label on things, even though we really do enjoy labels, um, it doesn't really do it justice. Each 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 kind of each group, each duo uh, has their own feel. Yeah, so I think there are kind of two halves to this when you're starting to become a band. It's like you can either play into a genre expectation and that's what like if me and my friends play guitar bass and drums and we're like i'm really angry and sad and i want to write punk music or yeah. like emo music or something like or that even like i'm thinking you of you start with that that in mind and that's how you shape what decisions you make as a band it's like okay what sound are we gonna have well we're gonna be heavy and aggressive and we're gonna try to play as fast as we can right right and that's like and i'm gonna scream into the mic and so so it's like punky it's punk music or it's more metal <laughs> punky is that what you're punky. laughing at no, I'm, I just so you're making me think about actually this really interesting show that the most recent show that we played um where we kind of got put on this bill and in retrospect i don't understand how we made it on the bill because so some friends of ours had seen us play like they came we met because they came to one of the shows that we played and then they came up to us afterwards and started talking about music and they themselves were in a band um they were in oh they're gonna kill me because i don't actually remember as the name the of the stars genre. It's, they're called as the stars align are they also a columbia yeah they're a columbia based group, cool. group um and they're really they're really cool really nice guys really make really interesting music and all really talented and I want to, I want to say they call themselves like, they're going to be so mad at me. I don't, I don't know if they're thrash metal is what they call themselves. But so they invited us to play the show with them and a bunch of other people. You know, it, kind of the inaugural show at this house. It was really cool to be a part of, and I'm really grateful that we got invited. So we show up, and what I've been promised is a multi-genre affair. Like they, you know, I, when they asked us to play, I was like, Are you sure you want us? knowing what genre they were right right and they were like oh no it'll be cool you know we're gonna have a bunch of different like types of music it'll be it'll be a melting pot is what it's gonna be so we show up and uh i discover that what he actually means is that it's different genres of hardcore guitar based music so they've got they've got a thrash metal band they've got a black metal band there's like progressive got, death metal yeah, and i'm like i do not understand <laughs> the intricacies of like what makes so death all, metal different from I black not, metal different these from all sound like the same genre to me it all like, and I, you know all of it sounded distinct for sure like it, I, I i could tell the differences between what everybody was trying to play to okay but so, you know, if you were going to mosh, you could mosh to equally to everything that was played across all the different bands that played. Right. And then there's us. And we're <laughs> just like beeping and booping and playing really mildly. And I didn't really feel offended about this, but a lot a lot of people left the room and were kind of just like watching us from outside. You can't. Because it was, you it can't was almost. Headbanged our music. No, you can't. I mean, it you was, could, uh, but it wouldn't be that fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. But the people that did stick around seemed to really enjoy it. So I, I didn't feel I didn't feel bad about it. So like there's advantages and disadvantages to kind of choosing to play into a genre like you have people who know that they like that genre right, so they right. know that they're gonna like an you. audience you are waiting a, to you are a punk band consume. i like punk music we're gonna get along yeah you're right or you have an act that just kind of decides to do their own thing which is the category that we fall into it's like we like a lot of different things and both of us i think listen to a ton of music and take ideas from that music and those ideas are like usually really abstract ideas about the song. It's like, oh, I really like the structure of this song, like how it builds into this thing in the second half. Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. um, like I, I listen for like really specific like sound design bits because I'm really interested in sound design. So I'm like, oh, that's a beautiful like thing that they did just there. And I'm going to try to replicate that. And most of the time I can't, but I end up with something unique and interesting anyway. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of what we decide to do 
decided to do. Like, we just want to do what sounds good to us and not really worry about playing into a genre. So um, we, we talked a little bit about Helena. She, she plays the keyboard. She sings. Um, but for those who may be unfamiliar, because for me, this is kind of... Uh, I, I, like a bizarre out there because when I went to your gig I like I recognized keyboard recognized microphone but then I looked over and I was like he's playing a laptop <laughs> yeah and, that's pretty much what it looks like doesn't with, it with a bunch of other gear of course so kind of explain how you like for a live show like what you're actually up there doing yeah dude it's electronic music so uh, you know I just press play and then the EDM <laughs> bangers come out of my laptop okay, I, I, I have iTunes pulled up this and is, just <laughs> this is actually I know you're joking but for the un like the people who don't know what's going on back there why don't you just do that or okay. why can't you just do okay. that okay so from okay you can and i know a lot of acts where that's a part of their thing like they'll play a backing track and usually usually in a live setting a backing track or something where you just press play and let the song play out while you do something else probably hopefully you're doing something else um to <laughs> keep it up the crowd like yeah <laughs> um but you you do that because whatever you're doing whatever is happening on the backing track you cannot do live and there could oh, be okay. many different okay. reasons for that. Like, oh, maybe I recorded this song with a band and I'm not, I'm playing by myself right now. So I got to play all of their other parts off my computer. Okay. But in our case, I have um, software, like music software on my computer. And I have every song that we have is like broken into little pieces called stems. Mm -hmm. And that's usually like a loop. Like, okay, for the chorus, I play this drum loop. Or for the the verse, like I'm playing the synth part, and then at the very last line of the verse, I press this button, and it makes like this weird sound happen, and like that's so the the songs are kind of broken apart into little pieces like that. And what I do live is make sure that those pieces like fit together in the right way. Um, and I try to make it a little bit more interesting than just pressing play by like doing different things at different times. Like I have some songs where I'll like. At the end of a verse, for example, I'll pull off all of the percussion that's happening so that it's just like the lead and Helena's voice. Uh -huh. And it like makes it sound that much more epic when you transition into the next part because you like, you know, you're you're free falling for a second there without the percussion. And then and, you bring the drums back in and then yeah. it just, you know. And it, um, it, is there any part of it that's totally off the cuff? Like it's just I'm feeling it tonight. I'm, I'm pulling out the drums here. So... Um, or would that throw you guys off? So no. a lot of I guess it, the what? answer is yes and no. So uh -huh. For me, yes. For him, it's I, complicated. I feel like in my case, most of the time, I have like a rehearsed plan for like what I'm going to do for each song that we kind of work out when we're practicing for a uh -huh. set. Um, but what, what we do is when we're playing live, we think it's most interesting just to keep playing all the way through like we don't play a song and we start the song and the song and then we're like hey guys thanks for coming out like while we set up for the next song because we don't have to do that yeah. I, I, we have electronic music we can let the machines work for us ah. and I can just let something keep going and we have um like the way we do it is we have our songs and then we have transitions between the songs which are entirely improvised yeah so that's where the song pieces oh. come into play like I'll when we're ending a song, the song will just kind of end, but I'll keep playing whatever part of the song is playing and I'll like choose what to take out, what to put in. Okay, we're moving into this next song, so I'm gonna take like this part of the next song and I'm gonna add that in on top. And so it's like the lead from the next song starts playing over the drums from the last song and then like- It's definitely yeah. an interesting quality of going to one of you guys' shows is uh, for me, again, I'm coming at it from the most, so 
pure naivety because I, I do not I'm not familiar with the genre but it almost felt like it never stopped like it, it from one song it would you know, become something a little bit less defined and, and kind of just out there and then before you know it you've transitioned into something structured and you're suddenly somewhere completely different than you were before um, and, but you never stopped so yeah and I guess something one of the like I guess ideas that unites us that interests both of us is jamming and specifically both of us really like jam bands I mean um to give a good example Animal Collective does that in their live shows and they kind of you know take a lot of influence from the Grateful Dead which is another band I really like for that exact same reason okay love listening to like Grateful Dead live shows um mostly because it's funny it's not necessarily that their music like appeals to me as much as it does to other people like I, I wouldn't call myself a deadhead but just the technical concept of taking a song that everybody who's playing the music knows like they know everything that they're doing and kind of intentionally sort of like not just ad living it but trying to turn it into something different like letting it kind of take you over and lead you somewhere that you didn't expect because you're not planning it at all you're just continuing to play and then you just maybe you, you throw in a couple other things you like add a little bit of you know like, like you riff where you were just playing a few notes before, whatever kind of feels right in the moment. Isn't that kind of the essence of uh, jazz? Isn't that kind of what I they mean, are? Or, or, or rather, or rather improv, I guess I should say. Because yeah. most jazz is like you play ahead, which is the start of the song, and it's rehearsed, it's planned, it's like written out. But then after that, as I recall, I took a class on this in college, by the way. Okay. <laughs> which, is right. why I'm, which is why I'm appreciative of jazz now, because I kind of understand a little bit about what's going on. Yeah. Anyway, um, so you play ahead, which is the start of the song. That's the part people recognize. They're like, oh, they're playing this song right now. Yeah. And then after that, it's like, you have a framework that you as a band agree on. Like, we're going to play this scale or this mode, and then we're going to switch at this point, et cetera, et cetera. And then from there, you have like a, a collection of notes that you can play in any given part of the song that will sound good. And then it's just kind of up to you to figure out how to put those notes into the song. Yeah, and that's very influential, I think, to us. Like we, we definitely apply that, especially as we're writing music. Um, and as we're kind of, we, we kind of write music almost in sections. Like we'll start with a concept for a song where either Alex will write something, like he'll he'll come to me with something cool that he's brewed up with his Eurorack maybe, or like just, you know. And Wait, I, with his what? Oh yeah, so he, he can talk a little bit more about this. He has a Eurorack synthesizer setup, and he can explain a little bit more about what that is, but for those in the know, it's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> and it's basically just kind of an analog synthesizer, but there's no keys. Okay. So it's kind of, um, if you've ever, like imagine just like a huge futuristic sort of like old computer looking thing where it's pretty much just wires uh -huh. and then flashing lights. Oh, actually, I you guys had this at your show, right? Yeah. No. Oh, no. No. You didn't, okay, wait. so yeah. what I brought to the show was just a controller for my laptop so that I'm not like typing or like using a mouse because that's really hard to do. Uh-huh. Um, so I use like a MIDI controller which just has an array of buttons and knobs so that okay, I can okay. like... I tell the knobs and buttons what to do, and then I just press them and stuff happens. Hey, knob, nah, turn. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, but like when we're writing music, I have a Eurorack synthesizer, which is basically, you know, everybody kind of knows what a synth is or like mm -hmm. a keyboard. You have a keyboard and you press a button and it makes an oscillator, makes the sound. That's how it like makes noise. And then there's like envelopes and filters, which kind of shape how it sounds like wah, 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 or like. You know, like a, like a nice little like pad or something sure. like that. Yeah, and then the filter kind of like little... restricts the frequency and all that. So right. it's just so 
in most synthesizers, that stuff is hardwired in. You can't really control much of like what's exactly happening. Yeah. But with a Eurorack synthesizer, you buy each individual like part. Like you buy an oscillator and you buy a filter and they're not connected at all because they're usually like different manufacturers. It's like a whole, it's modular, right? So yeah, yeah. you buy each little piece and decide what pieces you want and how they put, how they're put together with patch cables. So you like kind of, you have all the pieces together and you use the patch cables to kind of build a unique instrument every time you make a patch. Wow. Um, that's a big rabbit hole I could keep going down oh, yeah. for but, hours, but so going what, back to... So what he usually does, part of the process is like, just for, I mean, so for fun, either I'll practice my music and he'll, still, he'll sit down with the Eurorack, and if he ends up making something that's really cool or something worth, he'll, he'll call me over and say, hey, listen to this, like, what do you think? Um, and we'll kind of go from there, especially if it's something I can like, you know, really start working with. A lot of the time I'll like listen to it and immediately think of, okay, like I can play something to go along with this. I can think of like, you know, a vocal melody and I'll start, I kind of like start backwards as far as that goes. Uh -huh. I'll usually have the melody in my head and then write words to it. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it is kind of just following that path. It is very improvised a lot of the songs that we have we wrote in a day uh -huh. and then just kind of refined into sections where we kind of like you know the day that we wrote it we decide okay we, you know we're gonna have like these three or four different parts and then sort of after the fact figure out how they fit together and so we've done that like we've changed the structure of songs up through the recording process we, we did that with one of the songs on the ep actually where um which originally, we, do, we should know you guys just released an ep we sure right? did on yeah Bandcamp. It's pretty cool. Check us out. It's on Bandcamp. No, but yeah, link in the description. Like, uh, <laughs> it's called mutualism. It sure is. Yes. yes. Um, and we can talk a little bit more about that because that the 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 name of our band and a lot of the names that we choose are very intentional. Okay, and, like, so purposeful. I'm gonna use this as a segue because I do want to talk about mutualism. But before we talk about that, I want to talk about Honey Guide. Right. Um, because I did a little research. Well, I googled the word Honey Guide. I was like, I wonder if they come up if I because I'd never heard the word Honey Guide before, especially because it's one word. But it turns out it's a bird. It's a bird. So I watched a documentary on this probably in like high school or something, or maybe like it was like a YouTube video, um, just going into what the honey guide is. So it's a, there's a variety of birds. Um, they mostly live in Africa, but there's a bunch of, a few in like Asia and whatever. But um, this one particular one called the greater honey guide, I'm pretty sure it's the greater honey guide, yes. um, has this very unique symbiotic mutualistic relationship with humans where there are these particular tribes that uh have this special call that they interact with the birds with it's it's a very particular like song what'll happen is the birds will fly up to the people they'll sing the song and what the song means is hey i found a hive i found i found some bees come with me i'll show you where it is and so the humans follow the birds through the, through the woods. And it's really cool seeing them kind of track the birds. The birds will fly ahead of them and continue to sing. And they got to follow it, you know, and they you know sing back. It's a very kind of, they, they, they sing a song together is what they do. And at the end of that journey, you know, they find the hive. The humans will cut it down and they'll leave honey for the birds. That's, that's the whole, you know, impetus for this relationship is the birds get, they get some honey too. Yeah. That, um, it sounds like something out of like a video game, like mini. Like, oh yeah, like, like, it sounds. It does not sound it's like real. A, go on a quest. It's like, oh okay, I guess these birds lead us to the, honey. The like, bird yeah. is trying to get me to go on this quest for them. I have to follow the NPC right. to, the, like, to the exactly to this the is quest like a, goal. Level three kind of quest, you know, like very low stakes, but right. it, it's bizarre. Um, like apparently this, this 
honey guide relationship only exists between the bird and the and humans mm-hmm. uh, and it's like disputed if uh, they also lead honey badgers I've seen hives. that too you know they haven't been able to prove it there's been anecdotes of them leading other types of animals to the hives but he, it's humans that the relationship works best with which is so crazy because I, I mean in general humans show up and just wreck everything for most animals you know yeah. or t- enslave them so well, it's cool to see a, a, a true symbiotic relationship and even now I mean I know that's 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 a problem is you know a, a lot of the different varieties of honey guide are you know threatened some of them are doing okay but that that relationship is being threatened as Africa industrializes and as you know as houses and stuff like forests get cleared to build you know houses and like right, shops right. and stuff so um, it's an interesting relationship seeing how that uh, has progressed in the 20th 21st century almost forgot what century it is <laughs> well okay um, so so that is in like a super interesting like uh, thing to choose as your name because I I probably could have gone my whole life without ever finding out. See, about I, saw, that, I saw the video and I I remember thinking to myself, man, Honey God is a real that'd be, that'd be a good band name because you know you th- I don't know if you ever went through like a period of your life where you just thought of cool phrases and were like, man, if I was ever in a oh, band, this would be awesome. Definitely. Like, you, you have, I don't know if you have like an app like a, like a note on your phone of just list of band names. I have so many notes on my phones with just anything that I thought of was like oh, that would <laughs> exactly. be good. Especially when you're making stuff like this where I'm like, oh, I'd want to talk about that yeah I, I i get exactly where you're coming from so it's pretty much as soon as alex and i decided that we wanted to try our hand at making music together that was the first thing was like oh man so like what are we going to call ourselves and that that took a little while until i remembered oh hey like we could call ourselves this and it felt right for a number of different reasons partially it's because it almost feels like we have that kind of symbiotic relationship when we make music because we have such different tastes mostly I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we like that's this, you know, we bonded over a lot of different music, but fundamentally, the things that we gravitate to musically are very different. Uh-huh. And so it almost feels like like that exact sort of thing. We're working together to try to reach a common goal, to try, like, you know, find that honey metaphorically. Uh, but we're, we're, you know, we have two completely different approaches. Like, you know, one of us is flitting through the trees and the other one is like following with the spear, you know? It's, it's kind of how it feels sometimes. Yeah, but. At, at the risk of sounding kind of corny, like I do feel when, like just when I went to you guys' show, it does feel like somewhat of a journey. Uh, going from one piece to the next because you guys have such an interesting sound and you go so many different places but it never it never truly stops especially mm-hmm. like those those kind of uh, random not not random but kind of undefined transitions um, it does feel somewhat like a journey right that's, uh, that's part of the intention for sure does um, so so mutualism the uh, the EP you guys just dropped mm-hmm. um, is that I guess going on with this journey thing is like the order how you built that together is intended to be one straight shot or does each individual piece kind of stand on its own i feel like yeah i feel like for the most part they kind of stand on their own i thought about that a lot when we were making the ep i was like well live we kind of mesh the ends of the songs together with like some kind of weird soupy transition and i i was thinking about okay well maybe we're gonna want to do that for the ep and like how would that work but um, I think at the end of the day, like the songs are kind of like disjointed enough in their concept that it like kind of doesn't, they don't really need to fit together because they kind of yeah. don't. It's mostly like this is a collection of, of the stuff that we've been thinking about and like this is the kind of stuff that we think that our band sounds like, but it's not necessarily like a cohesive work in that regard i don't think i think we kind of jump around stylistically a lot in in these tracks and like the topics yeah i mean it feels very kind of 
expositional for us, I guess you could say. I mean, it's our first attempt at ever recording anything. And at the whole process of starting and finishing a song, I mean, that it, it took us almost a year to figure out that whole process. Because when we, we started recording the EP in like April or, or May, it was when we started that recording process. And, and you guys did this all in-house, right? This is oh, yeah. your, everything, you recorded everything. Everything that happens happened in our spare room that we use for music. Yeah. Oh, um, you guys have a spare room we sure for do. recording things too? We have, we, have two, <laughs> we have two bedrooms in our house. So one of them is the bedroom and then the other is the music room. Yep. Yeah. Um, Definitely can relate. And uh, yeah. yeah, your studio here is really lovely and it's actually, it's a lot better than our studio. Our, we have no sound treatment. <laughs> it is, it is a horrible, like sounding probably, little bedroom. You know, and everything that we made sounds really rough, but like it's it's homegrown. You know, I it's love like, that amateur feel though. Like I love that just doing it yourself. And that's the thing. I mean, we're not trying to pretend like that's not what we're doing. This is very much kind of a we're doing this after work and fitting it in in our spare time sort of effort. So that's kind of what I guess what we decided to go with for the EP is that these songs kind of represent sort of our 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 first ever effort at doing this, and. I want. I, I think we both decided that we wanted the songs to kind of stand on their own because of that, because each of them were kind, was kind of written at very different points developmentally, you know. And you can kind of hear the transition. You can probably guess listening if you listen closely to the album. You can figure out which songs you wrote first and which songs you <laughs> mo- wrote most recently, because there's a clear difference. I think, and not just it's not a quality nece- like aspect necessarily. It's just kind of more of a. Um, professionalism i guess the refinement of our approach as we yeah we we started recording you know a number of months before we released it so by the end of us recording we were like man these first few songs we could have done that so much better these are are bad like we and and like a lot of us recording and like putting together this release was fighting with that urge to go back and redo Mm -hmm. right right well even up until the very last minute right the day the day we were released i was i was listening to one of the songs and i was like "Mm, i really want to change this really wish we could re-record this track but that's kind of like the hard part of doing something creative it's like you can either leave it in development forever because you're always the more you do the more you're going to get better and then you're always going to think man this is i could do this so much better now yep. and like you got to just make your peace with that idea at some point and like put a hard deadline in place which is what we did like we're releasing it on halloween mm-hmm. and so we were like we we're gonna finish it and release it on halloween and whatever we have done that's what's going out there yeah. so we like worked our butt off that whole week um just coming home from work working for like Everything was very genuinely like, like six more hours after putting in like an eight or nine hour day at work. Right, and then, right. And the the frustrating part was it was it wasn't that anything needed to be recorded at that point. It was kind of just deciding like, okay, how much can we change this? You know, if if we don't like it, what can we do to the existing recording rather than starting from scratch again? Right. Well, it, it's good to take pride in your work, but it, you can't be a perfectionist, Mm-mm. especially and at this point. The the nice thing about it is that. Even now, there's still zero pressure. I mean, it's not yeah. its not like we're, I'm trying to make money off of this, first of all, um, or that there's any expectations right. at all. Right, it's not like you're, you're going to get evicted if this doesn't, like, top exactly. the charts. Exactly. It's... <laughs> And, you know, and I, I, it feels almost kind of like reductive to say that this is like a hobby effort. This is a very amateur, like DIY approach that we've taken. But that's it's just it's the truth. Like, this is what the fruits of the spare time that we've had in the past year have yielded. Yeah. And I think um, the ideal case is like, you know, ideally, if 
like ideally this music thing is going to take off and you know then we can do it full time and i think that'd be a lot of fun at least for a little while yeah, yeah that's, um, that's always the dream yeah. but i don't but, think either of us are expecting that well, but sure. for the time being step zero is like you got to make good music that's and right. so having we're no still, pre- having no pressure <laughs> yeah exactly i mean we really are like we we have a long way to go and we've come a long way in the year that we've been writing music so far we've come a really long way mm-hmm. and we have so much further to go you know i'm i'm excited to see what another year of us like really knuckling down and and practicing and and making new stuff and like getting better learning more talking to other people as well we have a lot of musician friends and we love chatting with them and like figuring out what is and isn't a good idea or why or you know yeah just jamming with other people too is a really productive yeah. I, I, f- I find like when I'm interacting with people that I don't know very well, a really uh, go-to question is, what do you do? You know, what do you, what do you do for your occupation? And I feel like that's kind of a reductive question because I don't like being defined by what I do to earn money because unfortunately that's something we all have to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I it gives me pride to have something else that I actually, I say, I work hard at this. Like it is work a lot of the time, but it is something that I'm proud of and I enjoy and I do solely because the end result for me is enough. It is like, that is the reward in itself. And mm-hmm. I think you guys at this point understand that it's, concept. It's Absolutely. exactly the same thing. I mean, I, I like to say I um, actually achieved everything that I ever wanted to achieve with music already. Where um, I guess a few months ago, we released our first single off of, it, it's on the EP, but we released it as a single called, it's called Ephemera. Um, and so we put it out there, put it on Bandcamp, mostly just to get it out there because it was the first song we finished. Um, and so Alex has this YouTuber that he really likes, yeah, Simon I the can, Magpie. I can talk a little bit about yeah, this. Yeah, you can share um, the story. So yeah, there's this guy on YouTube called Simon the Magpie. I like him a lot because he makes tons of videos. He's like this mad scientist Swedish man. and he Another Swedish YouTuber? Yeah, and, <laughs> and he like... He, he does just, the wildest stuff. He does the he does a lot of a lot of like I guess circuit bending. Like he, he he's the type of person that tries to make instruments out of pretty much anything. Right. Is that's what, a lot is of, what I that's a lot of the content that he makes is just he's like I had this crazy idea to make something this way, so like I'm gonna make a video about me making it. He's got one video. It's like, can you play a piano upside down? And it's like, who cares? Like who would think of that? But he has like a, a ten minute video about like trying it just because he's. I, I think he's got a very restless mind, and so he he jumps around and does a lot of like really interesting stuff as a result, like uh-huh. circuit bending, building his own electronic instruments and stuff like that. So um, and he's he's so, a really friendly guy. He's got this community, like you know they got a Discord of fans of his that all you know, t- and he participates in it. And um, one of the things that they do is share music because a lot of the people that are interested in him are musicians themselves, right, and right. you know share their projects. So um, so Alex shared uh, our our first single. Yeah, he had like a live stream when I was at work. He was like. Hey, I'm going to live stream like me and some friends like reviewing your music, post your music in this Discord like group and I'll review it. And so of course people were spamming their stuff like sending it 20 times. I was like I'm not going to get noticed, but I'm just going to like I'm just going to post the link a couple times and see what happens and like I'm watching the live stream at work um on my second monitor and he's like uh I, what I would try to do is I tried to time it cuz I noticed he would open up the Discord and he'd pick the most recent thing that had been posted and he's gonna and he's just like, this is just what we're picking and this is what we're gonna listen to. So I tried to watch the live stream and time it so that when they finished the last song and went back to the Discord to pick the new thing, my right. my link was the first one to pop up. It worked. And I started sweating so hard immediately because I'm like, there's like a hundred people watching this right now. And yeah. he's like gonna review it and like talk about it. and he was like 
He's being he had like criticisms of, of the stuff. He didn't just love like say he loved oh, everything sure. that he listened to. He's he like, expected. you know, this isn't my style, or he's like, I think you should have done this differently with the song, or like etc. And yeah, it's it's, it, it's supposed to be like a constructive thing. Yeah. It's not just him being like, Oh, your music is great. The, the intention of the live stream is just to talk well, you, about well, you know you guys, amateur efforts. I'm sure you guys know that it's nice to hear people say your stuff is good, but it's really not helpful. No, I want to. So that was kind of half of the intention is we wanted to know what he thought, like we had to improve. And he listened to it, and him and his friends, like, they listened to it, and for, like, 30 seconds, they just didn't say anything as they were listening. And, like, usually they'd start talking right off the bat about stuff. And I was like, what is happening? And they're just like, whoa, there's vocals? Like, because most of the stuff was instrumental, and they were like, wow, this is, like, this is really good. Like, they were like, yeah, this isn't the kind of music that you want to, like, talk over. And I was like, wow. what? <laughs> like it? No way. Like, no way. That's awesome. So, but the best part and the cherry on top of it was that he went back onto our band camp and he paid us two bucks for the song. Hey. <laughs> so that's that was every... Just literally having somebody appreciated enough to pay like a little bit a for it. A stranger more than yeah. somebody. Yeah, not, like, not somebody, a friend of mine. Somebody well, who does not, like have any relationship to us yeah. independently was just like I like this right and not only is he just a stranger but a stranger with expertise a mm -hmm. stranger whose opinion has some value exactly yeah. an influencer yeah so, <laughs> like yeah I, I, I've achieved all the sex the success that I want to achieve yeah um Everything on top of it is a cherry, you know? Yeah. Like, that's, which is a really It's a great good, mindset great, to it's, have. It's a really great mindset to have. Like, I, and I really do feel, I think we both feel very much at peace with the idea that we can do whatever we want to do. And there's no pressure to, to be anything or to try to achieve anything. Any, any additional success that we have will just be a bonus. Yeah. You know, it's just. I'm, I'm with you on that. It can be, um, it, it seems terrifying to me to have to create or to be creative um, with like money on your mind. Like to, mm -hmm. to be like, absolutely. If, if, the, if the thing I'm making isn't good or popular, then I'm screwed. That does not sound like a good situation to be in, uh, especially because there is so much satisfaction in being authentic and expressing yourself the way you truly feel, um, mm -hmm. not pandering. Um, right. So I think that it, it's great that you guys look at it that way because you can create what you what you truly value regardless of what other people think. Yeah, yeah. and that's kind of what I want to get out of music. You know, like if, if you're like, man, I got to pay rent, you got to be like, okay, this song's got to slap and people, the kids got to have their booty shaken in the club to this oh, or yeah. else daddy doesn't eat tonight. That's right. You know? <laughs> like, I can't say that. Like, please, please don't. If they can't so, pop open a bang energy drink to this song, I'm screwed. Like, yeah, like I, I, I don't know what else I'm going to do. I don't have a degree. Right, right. But, you know, if there's no expectation of that, you can be like, well, I'm just going to get really weird with it and if you don't like it, you don't have to listen to it. Like, who cares? Yeah. And that's kind of where we're at. That's, that's really empowering. That's kind of where I want to stay because well, that's where I like being. My question for you guys is, um, so like when I make a podcast, one of the first things I did or learned about was how to distribute. And I got on all the major platforms as quickly as I could. Um, you guys are on Bandcamp. Are you guys anywhere else? No. Nope. That's no. it. Why not? Well, again, part of it goes back to we're not doing this to like make money off of it. We've talked about getting onto Spotify before, but part of it is also that just if you're like a nothing artist, the process of getting onto streaming services isn't difficult, but it costs money. Uh. And so 
I'm we're we're both kind of in the mindset of we'd rather just spend money on gear as opposed yeah. to getting our music further out there because we're again like we're not really trying to expand an audience necessarily. I mean, we're in a really we live. Uh, Columbia is a beautiful town where if you can meet the right people and if you can make friends in a scene, inevitably, if you like music and make friends with musicians, you'll run into people who organize shows. And if you can make friends with them, it's really easy to get yourself booked, even if it, it doesn't matter what you sound like. You know, they just need to fill a slot. Right, right. So we already have like shows covered. I mean, it's not. So it's it's not it's not difficult to find shows at all, which is such a blessing and like a luxury. So uh, so are you guys experience before Honey Guide? Were you guys uh, performers in any in nope. any fashion? The, our our very first show that we played what last October was the very right. first show either of us had ever played ever. Yeah, dude, crowds scare scare me so bad. I was <laughs> yeah, like, I don't even know if I can do this, let wow. alone like. But well, it's our not first just show, getting in front of a crowd. It's getting in front of a crowd and like genuinely expressing yourself. Like this is what I made. Right. Like, yep. Judge me. And, yeah. and you have you have to own it. That's half of it. Is just getting in that mindset of like they don't know if you're messing up necessarily oh, yeah <laughs> so you have you have to own it you have to have that kind of performer's mindset of you know the show must go on and you must try yeah which is that's a whole new thing to put yourself into if you're not used to it which neither of us are and we found that crowds are really like very very kind at least in this town because it's like sure but it's it's like going to the circus, right? You watch the high wire act, and you want to see that act like do something death defying and and daring. But you don't want them to. You never want them to fall. You don't <laughs> want to see them die. hurt. You don't yeah. want to see them hurt themselves. You want to see them get as close as they possibly can and pull it off. Right, right. And like I think that's what most people want out of music. Mm -hmm. Like they want to see somebody do something like really impressive or daring or different, but they don't want to see you fail and if you do fail they're like understanding cuz like yeah, I think everybody who goes to a show is like, yeah, that's tough or mm -hmm. like I could never do that, you know. I couldn't get on stage and play my guitar in front of all these people. Sure. Well, I, I go to a show, any show to have a good time, you know. Right. So the worst thing that could happen is that the band fails to the point where like the show stops, right? Yeah, the worst the worst thing that <laughs> could possibly happen is you mess up and you're just like i'm not even gonna try right like, yeah. who cares? but and like, we've messed up plenty of times on on stage <laughs> and we're just like gotta keep going yeah. like oops <laughs> and you know it's it's easy when it's all it is is like just a missed key or just like you know you forget a line or something like that's that's easy to get by i'm thinking of um it's kind of i feel it feels good to have gotten what feels like our worst show ever out of the way already oh good we had we played a, our first ever show where we actually were playing at a bar like a proper venue instead of just someone's house same that place they set you up saw for a party. oh okay yeah um art bar yeah at art bar our very we played back in like february or january or whenever it was and we were opening up for some really good friends of ours. And uh, at the time I was using a mic that was particularly bad, um, not in the sense of sound quality necessarily, but it definitely had some wiring issues. Okay. So, and I'm, pre I'm pretty sure that was the culprit, not 100% sure. So probably about halfway through our set or maybe like two thirds of the way through our set towards like the you know, middle of the end, all of a sudden feedback starts coming through the monitors as, as we're playing, like I'm singing and all of a sudden I hear static. Oh no. And I look over, I make eye contact with the sound guy at the back of the room and he shrugs. <laughs> so I'm just- Not I'm, a good sign. So I'm up there and the thing is you're in the middle of performance. You can't stop. Like I can't, mm -hmm. I, I couldn't even like look over at Alex to be like, oh my God, like what do we do? Like I, there's nothing to do, but just keep going. That's that's all you can do. So we we finished we finished playing. We did everything we were intending to do. Static was still coming through, <laughs> and it just. Uh. 
and it, uh, it was it was okay like no, it was fine you know that that was that was really informative that was exactly yeah. what we should have done it felt horrifying in the moment but i think the nice thing was that afterwards the friends of ours who we were opening up for you know we were talking about it, i was like man you know i really wish that there it was something that we could have done and they were like well you did everything you could have done you know you didn't stop which is the most important thing yeah well, I always hear comedians talk about this, like bombing at a show. And the, the comedy's a little different than music. I feel mm -hmm. like right. people go to comedy shows, sometimes they want to see the comedian fail. And they'll yeah. do everything in their power to make that happen. Mm -hmm. um, but after you bomb, like apparently you, you feel like you gain this superpower where you're like, you know, in, in any normal day-to-day -day experience, something embarrasses you. You're like, okay, but this isn't, doesn't even come close to bombing in front of like 100 people. So I'm, I'm cool. You know, like right. I, I, I've made it through worse. That's exactly why, you know, I was talking about that show show earlier that we played with a bunch of like metal bands I didn't I, I actually felt okay that a lot of people left because it was partially that they could definitely still hear us because the house is kind of small but that we'd already played our worst show ever and I knew we were playing well it just wasn't everybody's taste sure and you know if that had been our first ever show experience or like our second or third that might have that might have stuck with me I might have been a little offended like or like hurt maybe maybe not offended like I don't I don't expect people to like us automatically but sure. just like man you know i I really wish that they would have stayed. Yeah. But now it's kind of like I I know what we've done when we have sounded our worst. I completely understand why this isn't everybody's cup of tea. Like it's okay, you know. I've already mentally gotten past that. Oh no! I mean, honestly, you guys are the only group that I listen to in this genre. Like, I feel uh, is there a um, like mainstream to this type of music? No. That, nope. No. I don't know. So <laughs> it's and it's funny. You keep doubtful. You, I, 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 this is something we have a hard time with is even putting ourselves into a genre in the very first place. Right. Where it's, I don't even know how to describe us and people ask. Right. Experimental you, electronic is the, the go-to. That's all see, I can but, you know. But I don't even agree with that like genre classification, experimental electronic. Because like electronic is a bucket. That's like, like any genre can be electronic to some degree. Like yeah. it, it's like saying it, acoustic. It does of. not mean anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And then, but experimental is like, that's also something that is kind of up to the person saying yeah. it. Yeah. Um, because in my case, I listen to the like genre, like other genres of really strange and like techy electronic music where I'm like, what we do is so basic. Like it is not experimental. Like I, everything Someone has experimented on this. Everything before. that I do is just like, I'm copying something that someone else I like did. Right. And right. I'm not innovating anything or like doing anything. Well, okay. Out of the... You give yourself a little credit. So See, I that's, think, okay. That's not to give myself no credit because the way that I synthesize all of these influences is unique. It is a unique concoction that I make from all these different parts. But I don't feel like I'm really like pushing boundaries of anything. So, okay, I, I kind of disagree with you, partially because I think what you're kind of trying to speak to is that technically the songs that we write, like structure wise and element wise, are pop songs. We're, uh -huh. we're, we're writing te technically pop songs is what we're, is what we're doing. Um, you know, kind of a simplistic sort of, you know, verse, like, like, verse verse chorus you mm -hmm. know bridge sort of structure and we, we use those elements and we talk about those elements as if you know it's a conventional song but then bringing in and kind of I, I I'm not using this word in like kind of the LGBT context but like queering up all of the like elements of a song like you know the the baseline for example doing something real weird with it as opposed to just having your conventional sort of like boom 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 you know mm -hmm. that's that's kind of where I think our music is like like experimental partially because it, that's kind of what it feels like is we're writing experimental pop to me at least that's that's kind of how i personally approach our songs and i know alex kind of has a sort of like more 
working backwards sort of approach to it. Like I, I'm, I'm a much more kind of conventional songwriter than he is. Yeah, that's that's where like our styles and influences kind of like meet in the middle because it's like Helena really likes um, like there, there's a lot of value in songs that are really relatable and digestible, like like something where, you know, this is the chorus and, you know, like, you know what the chorus is and you want to sing along and like it's got a good beat and you're like dancing and moving around stuff that's really kinetic and fun. And I like stuff that is the opposite. I like stuff that's like <laughs> ambient and laid back. And it's like, um, I, I listen to a lot of genres where you can't dance to it at all mm -hmm. or like m even make sense of what's happening rhythmically. And it's just like, it's it, it tickles my brain in ways that nothing else can. Yeah. So that's why I'm interested in it. And so I wanna go like way in that direction, like out in left field and Helena wants to go in the other direction. And so we gotta meet in the middle some way. So yeah. I like take something really complicated and, and strange and try to make it palatable and more like useful in a conventional music music sense. Yeah. Like, like he'll he'll write something like super strange, like, you know, some kind of instrumental piece, and I'll be like, okay, let's put a drum beat to this, and I'll, I'll use my drum machine, and we'll start setting something up, right. and then all of a sudden it'll sound like, oh my gosh, this sounds like a pop song. Like, no, you guys are you know you're so you're describing exactly what you hear on mutualism because th again, as from someone who's new to the genre, I know I've said that a million times at this point, I it's stark like you, you start listening you're like who even chose these sounds these sounds didn't exist to me before and then there's a structure to it still so it, it's this mix of like complete uh, like chaos but also uh, a plan mm -hmm. and um, I, I like the way you put that I think that that really encapsulates it. and that's kind of also just getting into like what I'm doing vocally too that's also the case I'm not a conventional singer and I I, I don't say this to like kind of like um I guess put myself down in any way, but I'm not what you would consider a conventionally good female singer. My range is okay. It's mostly towards the lower end if you can't tell by my speaking voice. Mm -hmm. And that's like kind of the main feedback that I've gotten. I, I know I can sing well. Um, obviously, like you, you listen to the album, that's what I sound like. Yeah. Um, but my voice is definitely towards the lower end of the register, which is pre pretty unconventional. You don't really hear a ton of artists like that. A lot of my favorite artists are like that. Like, um, huge vocal influence for me, for example, is Nico. Mm -hmm. um, really love her. And I, my, I actually, I'm, I don't even sing that deep, but um, another, oh, I forget her name, but the, the vocalist from Beach House, another main influence. That's, that's who I get told I sound like the most. But that's also an intentional part of our act too, is every part of it is something that you might expect in a different song, but twisted in a particular way to kind of reflect the fact that we're not playing towards any specific genre. We're just trying to pick things that sound interesting mm -hmm. and and mostly strange. Like that's, that's really something that we aim for is intentional. Um, and, and, and specific about us. My goal with making music is to just show somebody something they've never been exposed to before. Yeah. Like it's, it's as simple as that. And a lot of the times when I find a sound that I think is like really beautiful or really interesting, I'm like, I've never heard something that sounds like that. So I'm sure nobody else has heard anything that sounds something like this. Yeah. That's, that's the feedback I want to hear from people. That's, that's what makes me feel best is, wow, I've never heard anything like that before. And that was interesting. That was certainly my reaction, yeah. uh, both to your live show and also to the, uh, the EP. Um, so I'm assuming you guys aren't working on a Christmas album coming up. <laughs> oh, I, I wish. Really, you could like <laughs> let's, twist let's, up the the sound of uh, bells. And, yeah, uh, 
we'll, we'll hey, get real that, festive. That's an idea, it. honestly. We didn't. We didn't Honey talk Guide's about that. Christmas album. <laughs> Dude, just drop a single on Christmas Day. Man. That would be. Uh... <laughs> oh, we'd have to get working real hard right now. We, yeah. We're currently like taking a little bit of a break from music because it was is you know it, it's a, so much fun making stuff, but like when it comes crunch time to finish and like do oh all gosh. the technical stuff, it's work. It's the, straight up work. Oh yeah. The month of October was just like we were coming home. We didn't do pretty much anything social the whole month pretty much we'd come home from work from like you know we, we'd get back home at six or so we'd work on music till eight or nine and then go go to bed yeah. and same with the weekends we'd get up on saturday mornings and sit down and work on music until like the mid-afternoon or whenever we just can't continue anymore yeah so we're, we're still working on i mean I'm, I'm writing stuff right now actually i'm trying to work on a new batch of songs uh but it's still very much in like the, the natal stages oh sure and we don't want to get ahead of ourselves you oh, guys yeah. just dropped an ep so like it was definitely time to sit and like enjoy and, having that out. and especially for the holiday season you know we're, we're busy with plenty of other like personal things ain't so. that the yeah. truth yeah, yeah. so <laughs> like we don't have a lot of um basically what i've just been doing is trying to like collect sounds from my equipment that uh -huh. I think are interesting and so I'll have just like a big library of stuff that I already think is cool or strange or like useful musically that to draw on the next time I sit down to try to write something yeah, well so how yeah that part of the process like do you in your free time you just sit down and you're like all right let's find some new sounds like, he is does that, yeah yeah he, that's he what does I do for sure. I'll, I... I'll sit down for like an hour after work yeah and just try to find things yeah. with my equipment like like my euro rack i'll make a new patch from it mm -hmm. i'll be like okay i've never used this module in this way before so let's try to do something with that and see how it sounds and then i'll just like record whatever i do and i'm like okay that's pretty good and then i'll unpatch everything and start again yeah it's so much to it it's not just like sitting down and be like okay here's a song there's like things like that where you're literally like collecting weapons in your arsenal to oh, use yeah. later on and the, and the euro rack is very much like a tool in that regard like and it, it takes setup and it takes setting you know like and you have to be meditative with it too that's that's mostly what alex does is he'll sit himself down and play and like okay i'm gonna set aside an hour and or two hours of my time and just mess around with the euro rack and that's that's pretty much what he says but what he's doing is kind of almost entering like a transcendental state where he's just he'll be sitting there I'll, I'll be watching him just sit there with his headphones on and like every so often he'll reach out and change a patch cable and then like continue to listen um, he's just literally vibing just getting lost in the sauce you know <laughs> i love Absolutely. that that is so i mean to say that you actually do that like a lot of people is like oh yeah dude i'm a, like a pretty chill guy it's like but do you just vibe and like find no he's, sounds, he's straight like, vibing i pull it straight out of the ether like that's pretty awesome a lot of, a lot of it is i'm just sitting there listening to some like tone just some one note just listening to the oscillator like listening to the little like frequencies moving up and down within the note and stuff like that and i'm like wow that's really cool like and I, I, I think there's a lot of value and there's a lot of music out there like that that I really like listening to, like stuff that's droning or ambient where it's just like it's like one sound that does not change but is interesting and you just play it for like a minute or two minutes or three minutes or ten minutes wow. straight. Like that, that, I think there's a lot of appeal in that kind of stuff even yeah. though I don't listen to it a lot. But do, doing my own work with the Euro Rack, it's like I could listen to this sound for like five minutes and still be entertained. Mm -hmm. It's, it's meditative like that. That is you know? that is so bizarre to me. Like it's yeah, just so it's, outside of anything I'd even imagine. It's, yeah. it's fascinating. I love it when he like takes the headphones out and just plugs into the the bigger amp, and then I can hear what he's doing because mm -hmm. it'll just it'll fill the house with just like kind of like a meditative tone is what it is is what it reminds me of. I mean. Um, well, yeah. so we have the uh, the keyboard set up here, yeah, um, and we have it plugged into the. Uh, 
Yeah, actually, yeah. This is a synthesizer, right? It Not sure a keyboard. Is. Keyboard's much larger. Yeah, right? so, and this is interesting. This is actually kind of the other half of our process. So Alex is pretty much all analog, except for when it comes to, um, I guess, triggering patches of this computer. He's yeah. got, um, you know, a, a MIDI controller. I have a virtual analog synthesizer. And so what this is, is kind of the polar opposite of an analog synthesizer, in a, in a sense, even though it's, it's like calls itself a virtual analog. What that really means is all of the patches are digital. So I have a bunch that actually, there, there's a really, th this synth that I have is called an Akai Miniac. Um, and it's one of like three different uh, synths that were made by Akai and by Alesis that all have the same engine. And um, there's a really robust online community of people who own these synthesizers and have programmed their own patches for them. So I've, I've downloaded a few. And the, the beauty of this synthesizer is that um, even though everything is digital, like what you're downloading is a file, like adding it to your patch library, but you have complete control over every aspect of the shape of the sound, just as you would with an analog synthesizer. Like I can control everything about the sound wave. And it's, it's actually kind of annoying because the, the version of the synth that I have, everything can be done. It can only be done with a single knob. So th this knob that I'm pointing to right here is the control knob. I have to do everything, like every part of programming a sound with it. And it takes a really long time. It can take <laughs> hours to figure out exactly how to, like I want a, song, a sound, a particular sound to, to, to work. And so a lot of the um, patches that I use are, um, kind of amalgams of things that somebody else wrote the patch and like programmed it but I'll like go in and make it the sound my own and like change it fundamentally so that it's it's mine and this is what we're using for this song is this particular patch has been edited this particular way so I'm, I'm gonna try to pull out like just based on what you just told me my understanding of that so that would be like almost like if you had a guitar but you could like download new guitar strings and those guitar yeah. strings come with like special attributes that somebody is uh, like configured and you also have access to and like, yeah and like basically just making it how like like uh making it able to have new sounds basically okay like i um i added a bunch of sound effects sounds is what i mostly downloaded not so much like, like there's a bunch of like conventional instrument patches i've got you know my pads like my lead bass like string you know, kind of, kind of what you expect from a synthesizer, but then there's also a really robust library of sound effects, which is just kind of, that's, that's a lot of, the, I draw on a lot of them for our, um, I guess, uh, like the, the jam portions of our live act. Like that's, that's a lot of what you hear is actually me, um, playing sound effects is what they are, but a lot of it is kind of like twisted or like I'll have gone in and made some changes that make it not just like a clap or like a crash, but like something else well sure well one, one of the things that kind of frustrates me about music is like the math of it that there's only so many combinations of notes that you can possibly have and like at this point almost like all of music has like you know theoretically been written already right like the combinations of how things can go but this is like i never thought about this this is like you can just totally invent new stuff okay i let think me, about that all the time let honestly. me further blow your minds um <laughs> there is a uh, thing that is not common in western culture called microtonal music oh yeah there i mean sound is a, a spectrum and there are infinite like analog uh like frequencies that you can hear and Microtonal music is the idea that you, instead of having 12 notes, like the 12 tone note system that most people understand as music, right. you find different frequencies. Like you, you, instead of 12 notes, maybe it's 13 notes in the same range. So it's like more divisions or oh. less divisions. And it's a different note altogether that isn't A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Right. 
Somewhere in between. It's somewhere in between. And so like there are tons of people who who really like messing around with microtonal scales and they'll make their own scale to play a song in that does not exist. Mm -hmm. And so there's like, you know, take take how much music can be made from just those 12 tones that most people are used to multiply that you know exponentially by My the amount of microtonal God, scales that yeah. you can you can fit into the same range of frequencies that those 12 tones cover. And so we don't intentionally do that necessarily. No, um, I don't I we do not do microtonal no, music. But we, t- we, t- we talk about stuff like that a lot because um, I guess kind of going back to sort of my process here like and our process here I have a very basic, like rudimentary understanding of music theory, but just like pretty much the basics, like scales and, uh, you know, circle of fifths, stuff like that. Like any person that takes any kind of piano lessons for any length of time will know. But sort of the fun that we have of it, especially as amateurs and as consciously being amateurs, is breaking that where we can. Yeah, yeah. And not feeling. You know, I, I don't feel like I have to play in a certain key the whole the whole song. It's not you know? about playing by it's, the rules. It's not about playing by the rules, and it's it's kind of fun. Also, not understanding a lot of the deeper rules. Like I'll do things because they sound cool, and then a musician friend of mine who knows a lot about music theory will come to me and say, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe you just did like X Y Z. Like that was so cool." Um, and I'll without completely without understanding that it's a really like interesting technical thing that I did. I'll just be like, oh, it just sounded cool. Like, you know? <laughs> and I, I hate to say that I kind of like we both kind of lean into that sort of intentional ignorance because the more I learn about music, the more like about music theory specifically, the more I almost feel like that's what I lean towards. And I don't want to do that as a musician. Like, I don't want to feel like I don't want to even unintentionally constrain myself to my idea of what music should be or the rules that it should follow. Right. Like it. A, a lot of the artists that I love, a lot of the music that I love breaks those rules intentionally. So, so why can't I? Right. You know? Well, um, if you we've got your uh, we've got you plugged in here. Mm-hmm. So. I, I would love to hear a little bit of your uh, synthesizer here if, yeah. you, if you'd grace us with some I, I some would love music. to. Well, I've got, I guess I've got some interesting things. I'll, I'll, start, I'll just kind of- Start pushing buttons. I'll just kind of ad lib. Yeah, yeah you, can, you, you can edit this down into something cool. Sure. Thank you. 
I love this particular one because it's it's called Nasty Bass Boys. Oh. <laughs> this sounds like a, a little bit like um, Yeezus. Sounds a little bit like the opening track on Yeezus. Oh, you want to hear something good? This this is a patch that Alex hates a lot, and I really love. It gives me anxiety. Okay. <laughs> It sounds like a tornado siren. Oh. I've actually, uh, in Oklahoma, I heard those for like actual tornadoes that I was in danger of <laughs> being destroyed by. <laughs> I heard one here for the first time the other week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember. I got an amber alert. Or, uh, just amber alert. alert. Yeah. <laughs> the tornado took a kid. <laughs> but um, that, that's an interesting one because obviously it goes down through the whole spectrum of notes and tones. Well, it's for we a second know. there, it sounded like uh, like a, somebody was charging up an attack in a video game or something. Wow. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I just wanted to say that that uh, that first little bit there was absolutely hypnotic. Like I, 
Yeah, she'll do stuff while we're just hanging out in the studio, and I'll just, like, stop what I'm doing, and I'll just be, like, really, like, listening to whatever she's doing. Oh, yeah. Like, I felt like I... Because it just sounds really... It just... The the sound itself is just really appealing. I felt like I was in an interdimensional wormhole. <laughs> we, uh, we just... We just did an episode about Galaxy Quest, so I'm really on the whole sci-fi... Oh, yeah, like, I gotcha, I gotcha. genre right now. I really love this particular patch for that exact reason. It's uh, it's this is one I get lost in a lot, actually. Okay. So, so is this part of the the process here, or is this something you you're practicing? Like, have you played what we're hearing before? Nope. This is just complete. This is me just like ran, like playing random notes, pretty much. Okay. Um, and you can probably, you know, and especially in some of the earlier stuff, I probably show my expertise level a little bit because a lot of, like, I, you know, I, I know scales and everything, and I know, you know, chords and yeah. how, you know, all, how like everything should work together in a very like major conventional sense, but it doesn't. I, I kind of intentionally try not to play according to like keys that I know. Like I'll try to break out of it, and mostly it doesn't sound great. Sometimes it sounds really cool though, and that's how I've gotten a lot of the ideas for some of like the melodic stuff that we do. Like there's a couple of songs where we have key changes randomly, and it's kind of because as we were writing the song, I was like, mm, let's do this instead, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and then we decided to combine it instead of doing an instead thing. This is a good example of a sound effect that at one point was something completely different and I've now changed it to the point where it's completely unrecognizable. 
This was once a sound that reminded me of kind of like a siren. Oh, really? Like it was it was a big like kind of panning sort of like tone. And I did that to it. Oh my gosh. It gives me kind of an underwater feel, but also like like uh, beeps and boops like classic You're underwater in space. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. So uh, one of my favorite features of the synth and something that we make a lot of use of live is that um, you can split up the keyboard to multiple patches. Uh, okay. So that's that's how we mostly like that's that's how I write most of our songs. That's how we perform. That's how I play multiple patches at once. Usually left hand will be bass, right hand will be the melody. Um, I I, I want to just because that last sound reminded me so much of Yeezus. Um, leave his personal life out of it. How do you guys, as people who create music, look at a guy like Kanye West? He's one of my favorite artists. He's like definitely been influenced for me. Um, I don't consider myself a music critic or even someone who's very knowledgeable in music. But I'm just curious: has have you guys listened to his stuff or oh, yeah. thought yeah, I've, about I've, it? I've used this downloaded. Yeah, uh, I, I like 
I like that one a lot because he kind of breaks some hip hop conventions and goes more towards the realm of like really heavy, like bassy electronic music. Some of my favorite producers in the whole world, like Arca, um, worked on Yeezus with Kanye West. Okay. And um, I think that one is like, that's, that's in my opinion, his best album. I feel like he makes a lot of really good stuff. Like, it's hard to argue that his music isn't good. Right. Um, at least most of it. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, so I'm, I'm, I, a, I'm a, definitely not a huge Kanye fan. I was going to say, like, uh, I know that you're not a huge Kanye fan because you've had this conversation before, but, you know, kind of my, my child, in my childhood, I was a lot more exposed to a lot of his earlier music. Right. So, um, for example, like 808s and Heartbreak, I really, really liked when I was like, Yo, 11 or I had 12. that one on my iPod Touch. Yeah, or, nice. I'm sorry, iPod Shuffle. Oh, see, wow. that that was like that was one of the OG like sad albums I ever listened to. Was mm-hmm. like, man, you know, this has really got me thinking. But um, so so I'm mostly familiar with his like older catalog. Okay. It, but um, and I, I, I mean, sp- I specifically bring him up just because I'm a Kanye stan. Like I, his music specifically, I try not to let his real life effect because yeah. I really like, like I'm even into his newest uh, really? project which I know is very polarizing yeah um, I was gonna say like so that, that's kind of where I come from I think my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is I, I really do think it's earned his place in being considered as one of the greatest albums of all time the problem is that everybody knows it including Kanye and yeah. now he like, right, like for, seeing, for better or worse he thinks he's one of the greatest artists of all time and obviously that's very uh, especially very much in contention like, he's always said like that he's super great he's always been very high on himself but to say that uh, Jesus is King is the reason like this is now the definitive reason why he's the greatest artist who's ever lived I disagree with that mm-hmm. even though I do enjoy that album right. it's like okay dude chill like, <laughs> yeah. like he started kind of losing me after Jesus I thought was very very good actually it's, it's also it's, I think that's my second favorite album by him just because it's so different yeah. And really excitingly different. And I still think that like I, no one's no one has made an album that sounds anything like that still. Um, but I, after that, he kind of starts to lose me. I didn't really care for Life of Pablo very much. And I, I don't really care for Jesus is King that much. Mm-hmm. And also part of it is also that at this point for me personally, I can't really separate his politics and his personal views anymore, especially at a, on a record that's so obviously political yes. and, and like topical as Jesus is King. Right. So I, for, for that reason, I can't really say that I care for it or support it, but, um, I've stopped you know. trying to convince other people to like Kanye. I think yeah. a lot of everybody's ours, got their own opinion. Sure, yeah. they're not going to change. And well, and I feel like a lot of the time his work does speak for itself. Um, and if you don't, I, I guess I am able to separate the art from the artist uh, in a sense where I he can do the most ridiculous stuff. I mean, it's not just even before the the MAGA hat. He, Kanye was <laughs> a character. He would go out and make a scene, and part of it people would just argue is a publicity stunt to promote his music. But also, he is kind of he's admitted he's bipolar. He's like a he has a huge uh, uh, personality. Oh yeah, and that's for sure. I, but I've decided at a certain point I was like, all right. Forget about that guy. I just want to hear the guy who's on the on the record. And yeah. I and I still really enjoy that. But I, I just wanted to bring that up because um, I just heard Ye- uh, Yeezus. I was like, I've, I've heard this before somewhere. I've, uh, some, this is the closest <laughs> I've gotten in my own personal listening habits right. to hearing something like what you guys would create, especially because that album was so experimental. Oh yeah. Well, and those are the sounds that I personally gravitate towards. Is harsh and like. I, I, for lack of a better word, like crunchy. Yeah. Like I love things that sound kind of lo-fi and very like kind of hard to wrap your brain around. Right. You know, they fuzz out at the edges. Like That's... a lot of gorilla toss and King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Oh, yeah. And 
Uh, what else? That's an really epic like? name. <laughs> King is. It's an epic band, dude. They're an they incredible have, band. They have two drummers. They have two drummers that play made, full drum sets each. Wow. And they they're, the, they're a really great example for why you should never try to classify a band as any one genre because they have made albums of of so many different genres. Their most recent release was a genuine like certified metal album. Yeah. But they're I think they're best known for their like kind of stoner like surf rock. Uh-huh. Um but they've they've done everything under the sun. One of my favorite albums by them is a kind of more hardcore leaning album that uh they wrote and structured to be shaped like a nonagon as far as it's, it's called Nonagon Infinity. Uh, it's, it's one of my favorite albums of all time. And it was kind of, that was the first time I think I ever listened to an album and really became aware sort of of how you can use music towards your own structural ends. Like that was kind of, obviously that is a really like, like basic concept mm-hmm. if, if you're a musician, but that listening to that album was kind of when I became aware of not just that it could be done, but how relatively simple it could be just no one's doing it really everyone's writing you know pop music and they're sitting here writing these like strange like time signatures so that everything fits in the time signature of a nonagon which is wow like nonagon nine-sided yeah geometric shape right so and and the songs will kind of cut in ways like they'll shift mid-song at a point you don't expect but it's because that's another point on on the nonagon it's a vertex and then the last track on the album loops into the first track on the album like the lines of a nonagon Mm mm-hmm Oh, it's, really, it's really cool. I recommend it if you no, want to listen I mean, to it. I appreciate you guys breaking all this stuff down because you guys are blowing my mind every five minutes over here with all these things. <laughs> and see, it's, it's so funny to hear because I also, I almost hate talking about music with musicians because I really show my own, like I show how little I know. Mm-hmm. Pretty much as soon as you get me started talking about anything technical, especially. Like I, I don't necessarily know the proper names for things. I'll tell you how it's supposed to feel, how it's supposed to sound. I mean, I'm, I'm blessed with the ability to be able to kind of learn music by ear so i don't have to think about why something sounds good i just know that it does right and as far as like our music our music goes i try not to think about why i just try to make it sound good because it's not about the why it's about kind of expressing what i want to express feeling wise but um well i I feel like if you don't there, you can treat music as does this sound nice when it hits my ears? That's, is that's, it, is it, this is exactly what it can be. It, yeah. can, it can be as easy as that. Right. And but you can also go way beyond that right. because there's so much more to music than just when I put this on, do I want to like dance? Or like when I put this on, does it make me happy? Yeah. Right. There's so, and, and this even going beyond, it's like, well, there's sad songs and there's songs about like topics and things like that. But you can go even beyond that where it's like there are songs that challenge the fundamental definition of what music is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is where I. I come in because I really like music like that, that Uh pushes uh, boundaries and like concepts of what music can be. And my approach to music is like, I think that anything can be music. I think that sound that happens over time is music. Um, and even like I'm, I'm a fan of uh, John Cage, who's a, a sound artist, very, yeah. very famous for his work for 33, which is a composition for orchestra that is four minutes and 33 seconds of complete and utter silence. Nobody <laughs> plays anything. And people pack, pack whole like opera houses to watch this performance. Wow. But and you're like, wow, that sounds ridiculous and like a waste of money. But think about it. When was the last time you've been in a stadium with hundreds of people where nobody makes a sound wow. for Four minutes and thirty-three seconds. Yeah, John Cage is super influential is... to both of us. Like he's he's for for me specifically, he's really well. Like like I I love him because of how his music is influenced by Zen Buddhism, and by the I Ching. Which for those of you who don't know, it's kind of um, it's 
basically a book on like divination essentially and how to basically use numbers to divine the future or how to answer questions basically using numbers to answer questions so john cage uses the I Ching a lot uh, to compose music so he's like he's like properly an experimental composer because he'll like use divination techniques and like coin flips and charts of numbers to figure out how to make something and like that kind of turned on uh, it's had my concept of like how can you even make music and the answer is like you can you can make music that is compelling and interesting with completely randomized processes and i do that a lot in our music and on mutualism oh, wow. a lot of the parts that i'm playing or at least some of them are completely random and like if i if i bounce to audio like s- several versions of ephemera for example there's a randomized process on ephemera that dictates when percussion happens in the song Every time I'd render that song to audio, it was a different song. Yeah. There'd be different points where uh, the percussion happens, but it's like within certain boundaries that I define so right. that it it's always right. It always fits, but it's always different. And that makes like making music interesting for me. But um, also what's interesting to me are just sounds in general, like sound as nothing more than just a sound that I think is interesting. And I think that anything can be music. Yeah. And part of that is like my taste in music with these experimental electronic producers. One of them, one of my favorites, this band called Matmos or group. It's like two people, two guys. And Matmos has a whole album called Ultimate Care 2, which is the name of a brand of washing machine because they made the whole album because they thought their washing machine sounded interesting. And they made a whole like over 30 minute album where they just use their washing machine as the source of sounds. And what's even crazier is they went on tour with this album and they brought their washing machine on tour with them and would set it up on on stage stage. with microphones and their electronics hooked up to it. And they'd get a bucket of water and they'd do their laundry for the tour on stage and play their album for people. Cause the album lasted the exact same length as a wash cycle on their their washing machine. that is and, so awesome. And it's like, who even thinks to do that? And the answer is people who like think sounds that are to everybody else, just everyday sounds, not musical, can be something more than that. And like, yeah. I try to bring a lot of that to the table. That so is we, so, what, so good. Sorry, I was going to say, one of the things that we've done, so some of the sounds that you can hear on Mutualism originated as us like tapping something on like a metal spoon onto a pan. Or the sound of like a pair of chopsticks being tapped together, or bird sounds from our backyard, or the sound of one of us talking that's been like pitch shifted and bent, so you can't even tell it's a voice. So how do you capture that? I mean, this microphone is a cardioid; it's meant to be like recording voices. Is there a special microphone that's like this is a sound effects microphone, or this is like a specifically to capture noise as opposed to maybe there, voice? There are mics like that, like professional like field recording mics. Like there's omnidirectional mics that record right. eight different tracks in eight different directions. So what do you guys use? I use the dirt cheapest like <laughs> microphone that I found on Amazon nice. called the Zoom H1. It's like, it's the cheapest thing that you can get in this form factor. And I just throw it in my backpack and I take it with me everywhere I go. And if I hear something that's interesting, I record using this and it's like lo-fi and not good quality, but that makes it interesting. Cause like I pick up all the background noise and like, and like stuff that I'm not intending to pick up. Uh-huh. And a lot of like sounds of me like operating the mic that get recorded because like the sound travels through the body of the hand like the handheld part of the mic and there are like parts of songs that i just focus on like i i made a recording but all that i use from that recording is like the sound of me fiddling 
with it to like ah. press a button and it, that like incidental unintentional sound that i captured i'm like i think that's the most interesting part of this so i'm gonna like use that as like a piece of percussion or something yeah because well, i mean i guess what we try to do is make music that's like it, it's ours like these are the sounds of our daily life and that's a lot of what it is like everything that isn't like me playing basically that isn't his euro rack are ambient sounds that we picked out of our day-to-day -day and recorded at one point or another like well we'll do that kind of um I guess like there was a day like last spring or winter was sometime like a while, a while ago where we just spent the morning going around the house and doing that like tapping on things and scraping against stuff and like t like things that we use every day like touching them to each other and recording what that sounded like. Wow. That is so awesome. I, I love hearing more about the like just bizarre outside things you have to do to, to be able to build up this like I called an arsenal earlier of right. sounds that's, that's that you really can use. That's really what it is. Um, it's also just like saying that anything, like just sound over time can be music. Um, I definitely have gotten some DMs on SoundCloud of people who would agree with you because they're like, wow, we really love your song, 500 Days of Summer. <laughs> <laughs> you should like buy our, our service so we can distribute this yeah. song for you. <laughs> I've seen those comments on, I listen to your podcast on SoundCloud all the time and mm -hmm. I see comments like, I was like, who commented on this? And it's somebody who's like, hey, go to my, click on my profile. Yeah. They're like, my whole office is bumping to your, your newest uh, song and it's a freaking, you know, off script episode or right. not a song. It's an hour and a half it's long. It's you talking with your friends. Yeah, like, it's like, well, I mean, by certain definition, that is a song. <laughs> there's um there's a genre of music called field recording that I listen to a lot at work and uh -huh. it's it's literally what it sounds like like people just record things that they find and think are interesting and that's music to me yeah um I I listened to one that I thought was really cool um which is really nerdy but uh it was this dude who set up a bunch of mics inside this old windmill near his house like really old and he's just like recording the the like wooden mechanics like the gears turning against one another in this windmill and like it's that for like an hour. And it's like, it's, it's yeah. really relaxing. Well, I, honestly, I find value in that a little bit more as I end up spending more and more time, like not around interesting sounds or maybe just around the same thing every day. Like I have a day job, right? So I, I spend, I do the exact same routine a lot. And um, especially from a sound perspective, I feel like I'm not hearing anything super interesting. So g going to a place like that and hearing gears grinding together, it may sound bizarre, but it's also allowing you to enjoy something that you'd other ha otherwise have no access to. Yeah. And so actually the other interesting part of this is that personally, like for me, I actually really don't like gravitate naturally towards ambient sounds, towards like field recordings. Like, you know, I can find something meditative and transcendental in it, but that's very specific, I guess. You know, I don't just kind of casually listen to sound effects, really. So that's that's something that definitely interests Alex a lot more so than me. So kind of where we'll like meet in the middle is he'll record a bunch of stuff. He'll, he'll build up his arsenal of sounds and then bring it to me and we'll figure out how to make something melodic out of it. So that's that's another that's like the final kind of part of that process is okay like how can we turn this into something that's like explicitly musical as opposed to just kind of incidentally musical. Yeah, bridge that gap between mm -hmm. people who are a fan of that genre already and people who are more conventional. Is that the right word? Yeah, you right. Like music we, fans? we kind of technically. I mean, I know our music is like. I don't, I don't want to say it's inaccessible, but like it's it's probably a little bit hard if you don't know which, you know, if you've never listened to anything like it before, you're probably going to be like, okay, what is this? But it's still, even at that point, like it's still us making even less accessible sounds more. So, mm -hmm. if you, want, you know, 
we're, we're kind of trying to conventionalize the weird a little bit at least yeah one of my brother's friends pulled up our uh one of our our album oh, when we so were weird. at my when we were at my mom's birthday party last weekend and um uh his friend was like this song makes my stomach upset (laughs) i was was just like yeah you know that's that's how it be a bunch of zoomers i don't know what they're talking about bunch of zoomers that's funny no i i don't think i mean if i didn't know you guys i probably wouldn't have found myself at art bar listening to this type of music Um, but i'm happy you guys have introduced it to me and i hope that by through doing this we can have some other people uh, find something they might enjoy and see i hope so you know that going back to I, I can't really say enough good things about Colombia and the community that we found ourselves because we found other people that want to do the same things that we do which is kind of wild there is a very tiny little group of people that are making similarly experimental music and kind of you know also conventionalizing the strange so we've gotten very lucky a lot you know the show that you came and saw those people that we were opening up for are who I'm talking about um I guess is to name their bands, um, Satyron and Autocorrect. And I, I guess also oh, Expedmantis. is an and awesome name. Yeah. Rave. Yeah, and Rave. Rave oh, with a W. Yeah, his, his name is Ray, like with oh. a W. So his, Before, his, his act is called Rave. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And so all of those people have given us not only a platform to, because they're already established, all of these people are, you know, older than us and like have already been playing in town for years and have given us, you know, the platform that we need to sort of, you know, hey, we're performing, we're opening up for these established acts, but they're doing similar things that we are. And so it's beautiful to be able to talk to people about our process and have them understand and, and say, you know, be able to give us advice. Oh, you're trying to accomplish this. Well, have you considered this approach? and be able to have that kind of collaborative sort of relationship with people. So being able to kind of pass that along is, it's kind of, it's hard to find because there's a lot of musicians that are much more conventional in the way that they do things. A lot of, you know, and I don't say this as a negative at all, but a lot of people who are like guitarists and want to play a specific genre, you know, they kind of to go back to the original point of this whole conversation of, you know, either you're trying to play towards a genre or you're really not, and you just happen to occupy one. And the fascinating part about becoming an artist is kind of learning that distinction. And I I mean, I have a lot of respect for people that are good enough and technically minded enough to be able and want to play towards a specific genre. Like that's, that's not something that we do, not necessarily because it's partially because it's our approach, but also partially because frankly, we're just, we're, we're not focused on that kind of technical aspect of how to play. Like I'm very much still learning the keyboard. Yeah, yeah. I'm a lot of my practice. Like Alex will sit down with a euro rack, and I'll be practicing scales. I'll be learning a new. I'll be learning how to cover a song that already exists, and I'll be learning it mostly for the technical aspect of it because it's harder than something that I can do right now. I'm I'm technically very. Uh, I, I I just am a very basic keyboard player. Sure. I can't really do anything fancy. I I can play, but. Can I play, you know... You're not going to go bend folds on us or Regina Spector. exactly. Like, you know, if you were listening to me play, like, just the regular 88-key keyboard that I have at home, you probably wouldn't be too impressed, you know, because I can't do anything super fancy with it. But I I can sing a song. Yeah. I can play a song. I can learn a song. Yeah. And that's that's what I'm doing right now. Are you guys going to be doing any um, shows anytime soon? Anything on the docket? Not really. Not yet? We're taking a break. Yeah. Uh, to focus on like again the holidays and like spending time with friends and family and then also um, 
just gearing up for what we want to do next. Yeah. And maybe trying to figure out what went right with uh, our last album and what, you know, we could do better or, you know, um, just building up the sounds that we think we might want to use. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're, we're in a build phase right now. Oh, yeah. We're just, we're kind of like compiling ideas that we want to work with because that's, that's the, that's the start of our process is like, okay, I want to write, I want to write a song about this feeling. Let's so so let's do it. That's right. how that's how it starts, and so we're kind of figuring out okay, like what feelings are we trying to evoke? Well, you guys uh, will have to let me know when you get your next gig scheduled. Absolutely, I, I'd love to come out to another show. Yeah. Um, what about social media? Where can we, can you guys plug? Uh... Instagram, Facebook, Honey Guide the Band. We're also on Bandcamp, but like can, not yeah. a lot of people use that for social media. Sure, but yeah. I will link to that if you want to listen to Mutualism. I will have that in the description, sure. uh, so you can have a you can listen to uh, what you guys have just released on mm-hmm. Halloween. Um, but I, I I think we're ready to wrap this thing up. Sounds so, good. Honey Guide, thank you so much, Helena. Alex, thank you so much for coming on Apple Chat. This is new territory for us, like having somebody else with their own creative work come on and, and really break that down. Um, so I, this is truly enlightening for me. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. We really appreciate it. I mean, hey, we're here to help Apple Chat, you know, kind of break it, break its own mold. That's right. So, yeah. all right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to Affable Chat. One thing that didn't come up in my conversation with Honey Guide is that Alex and Helena are actually engaged to one another, uh, which I think is pretty super cool uh, that they are also uh, in a band, you know, engaged and in a band. Uh, I actually am pretty familiar with them in real life. uh, So it's just kind of, it's for us, the novelty I think is worn off. I just know them as uh, an engaged musical duo, uh, but I thought that was important to let you guys know. Uh, something else that's pretty important to let you guys know is that Affable Chat has a phone number and you can call us up at 833-600-2428. That's 833-600-CHAT. Leave us a voicemail about literally anything you want and we will play it on an episode and respond to it. So dial that number once more. That's 833-600-2428, 833-600-CHAT. Subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and please leave us a review. That is the number one way to help us reach a larger audience. You can reach us on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we have the same handle on both, at Affable Chat. Or if you're a little bit more old-fashioned uh, or you want to send something a little more long-form, you can send us an email, affablechat at gmail.com. Check us out on YouTube. We make videos there uh, periodically, uh, and they're not always about movies. We tackle some other subjects there. And also just... Thanks for listening. If you've made it this far in this episode, I really, really appreciate it. Um, We all appreciate it here at Affable Chat. Um, So yeah, for Affable Chat, I'm Benjamin. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.